Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. The title of what we're going to talk about today is Living an Inside Out Life. Amen? Amen. Next screen, Tom. We're going to whiz through this, tell you. This is what God has been saying to us recently, I think, or this is what I've heard anyway. He's been challenging us and encouraging us. He said, when I was here a while back, he said to us all, do you know who you are? He asked that question, and then as the word came, we were encouraged to realize that we are like supermen and superwomen. Do you remember the Superman story? Yeah? And then at Momentum, David uh, encouraged us all and asked us another question. Um, asked us if we would be ordinary heroes. Do you remember that, if you were at Momentum? Will we be ordinary heroes? And he did the North, South, East, West thing. Never think you're nobody. Say something special, express eternal hope, and be willing to work wonders. Great points of the compass there to keep us focused and going in the right direction with who we are. And then finally, if you were there on Saturday morning at Momentum, you would have heard John McGinley encourage us with a word he felt God had given to him for all of us, which was, live in Rock Church, get your nets ready. Amen. Do you remember that? Yeah, right. Get your nets ready. I was excited by that. Amen. So I wanted to, to press in today's message into that, the soil of those encouragements that the Lord has given to us. And uh, as I said, we're going to be coming from the first... John 1, John's first letter, and uh, in that letter, John very much focuses on love. I know you had Chris last week, and he did an amazing exposition of all the books, and particularly the first letter, and, and he gave you um, oh, an absolutely incredible teaching. I listened to it on the podcast, I recommend you do that. But today, I'm just going to talk to you about a few scriptures in chapters 3 and 4. And they're very much focused on the love of God and on that love in him and in us. And so I think that the Lord wants to remind us this morning of who is living in us. And he also wants to remind us that the one who lives inside needs to be visible, tangible, and on the outside. This is emphasized many times in that first book. So let's have the next screen, Tom. He's living inside us. Next screen, Tom. Okay, the word of God is powerful and effective. It changes our lives. It's the authority of God. We don't argue with the word of God. So we know as we look at these scriptures now, this is truth. Okay? So 1 John 3, 24. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. Amen? Great. Next screen, Tom. We're agreeing with the word of God. That's really powerful. 1 John 4, 12 to 13. New Living Translation, by the way. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. We're going to look at that later. 
the next scripture here. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. He's given us us his spirit to prove he lives in us. Next screen, Tom. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them. Do we declare that Jesus is the Son of God? Right, so he is living in us. And they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God. And here's the, here's the thing, and God lives in them. You and me. Amen? Yes. He lives in us. Hallelujah. Okay. I love those scriptures. I feel like that like is like a big pool. We can't see the bottom, but we know it's full of treasure. And so what I want us to do this morning is to dive right in and see what we can find under the surface and just have a look at some treasures. So those scriptures tell us that he lives and abides in us. He's in us. He is not outside. He's not in the car park. He's in here. He's never far away. He's very near. In fact, he is inside. So when I walked into the room this morning, he came in. And as you're sitting there, he is in you. He is here. When I go to life group, we don't welcome God to come and join us. He is there already. He is with us all the time. He never departs us. He abides in us. He lives in us. In fact, that word abide, which isn't the New Living Translation, but it's a familiar translation, also means settles, remains. He's at home. He's really at home in you. He is settled in you. He's not going anywhere else. He's settled in you and he's settled in me. He is permanently in you. Amen. He isn't going anywhere. Right. Wherever you go, he goes. Yeah. He, he, you might like to think in these terms that he holds your hand. He does walk with us, but he's in us. That's right. He works through your hands. Yeah. He works through your feet. Yeah. He is with us. He is with us in this gathering now in a fuller expression than when I just came in on my own in the reception area out there. As we all sit here this morning, he is here in a fuller expression than when we're on our own at home. Isn't that wonderful? I had a, a very dear friend called Mr. Ted Kent who is with the Lord Jesus now, probably throwing all kinds of praise and adoration before the throne. But do you know what? When I was a youngish Christian, I remember going round to his house, which I did very often. Ted Nestor's virtually was my second home. And as a young Christian, I went and he said, my dear, I only went for a cup of tea. He said, my dear, I want you to come and sit down. I sat down on the sofa and that was it. I could not get out. I could not get out. He got his Bible out. He plonked it on his lap. He said, my dear, did you know that God lives in you? And I went, yeah, yeah, I, knew, I know that, Ted. But he said, but no, no. Did you know that God lives in you? And I was like, yes, yes, I do know that. But actually, 
when he expounded to me more and read the scriptures, I left a different person than the one who came for the cup of tea. I realized that Christ lives in me, that I am not ordinary. None of us are ordinary. God lives in us by his spirit. He's remained and settled in me. On the inside of all of us lives the divine life of the Lord. The Bible says it's a mystery, Christ in me. So I'm not ever going to be able to explain it this morning because it is a mystery. (laughs) But we're going to have a go at thinking about what that means because I really believe that that truth that Jesus Christ by his spirit lives in me, that God lives in me, by, that his love lives in me by the spirit is one of the most powerful truths that we could ever know. It will transform our actions, our words, our plans, our lives, understanding that really, really more and more and more. We need to think much, much bigger, much, much bigger, because God's love is huge. Let's go to the next screen, please, Tom. So we read in the scriptures, it says, you know, that God lives in us, he is in us. But what does it mean to be filled with love on the inside? Next screen, please, Tom. This scripture from 1 John 4, 8, anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So if God lives in us, which the scripture told us, and we ask our question, well, what, is, what does that mean? Well, it says here that God is love. So that means that in us lives the love of God. There's all sorts of other aspects of the nature of God that are in us because he's in us, but particularly today, it's the love of God. And that word love there is from the Greek word agape. And uh, that word agape is an incredible word. It's not an ordinary word. It doesn't mean ordinary love. It doesn't mean brotherly love. It doesn't mean um, affectionate love or physical love. It's a much, much, much more divine word. It's not even human word, really. This love that describes what God is like, this agape love, is uh, the incredible love that was shown toward us when he sent his son into the world and allowed his son to go to the cross and then looked on while that death took place on the cross for you, for me, for the whole world so that we could be restored in our relationship with God. Uh, Chris tried to explain it last week and I was listening to it on the podcast. I thought it was really good, but I had to listen to it about four times to try and absorb And he said, imagine if someone was killing everyone you loved, everybody who was dear to you, and yet at that very moment, you were able to love them more than anything else in the world. It doesn't make any sense, does it? Imagine the worst people in the world, loving them absolutely, not being put off by the atrocities that they have performed or be a part of but loving them doesn't make any sense but that's what God did 
That's what his love is like. He loves far and beyond we could ever understand. Things that we think just couldn't deserve in any way, shape or form, the love of God. The power of the love of God overcame all of that sin, all of that, what Chris called toxicity, and overcame it all. His love is phenomenal. His love is all-powerful. The Lord Almighty, his everlasting love is, is incredible. It was demonstrated so passionately when Jesus hung on the cross and he said and cried out, why have you forsaken me? And then he said, not my will, but yours. That is incredible love. God's love is not of this world. It's a new kind of love. It's not of the world. It's from the king of love. It's part of a kingdom of love. It's the love of God that lives in us. That's a massive leap, isn't it? To think about that love, that incredible love. But now that love lives in us. Wow. Jesus was sent into the world to manifest the love of God for people to see what does this agape look like? What is God like? What's the love of God like? And Jesus came to show that love, that life of, G of the Lord being seen, the life of God, the love of God. And Jesus loved Zacchaeus. He loved Judas. He loved Pontius Pilate. He loved prostitutes. He loved lepers. He loved drunkards and drug addicts. He loved murderers and adulterers. He loved liars and swindlers. He loved gay people. He loves all people of the world. He loves them all. He loves them much more than their sin. He doesn't allow anything that any of us or anyone has done that is sinful to overcome his love. His love always overcomes. This is the love of God that is inside us. Jesus healed the sick. He didn't heal the sick to prove who he was. He healed the sick because he loves people. He couldn't help himself. It's, it's part of his being is to love and therefore to heal. He was moved and disturbed by love and compassion, he couldn't restrain from loving. Jesus' life on earth was simply a demonstration of this new kind of love. Everywhere he went, everything he said, everything he did showed us the love of God. And that love that we see in the life of Jesus is the very same creative, merciful, kind, forgiving gracious, healing love that has been poured into our lives. That's phenomenal, isn't it? We don't have a human brain that can actually uh, process all of that, do we? But this love is amazing. And do you know what? There's an amazing scripture, Romans 5.5. 5. Next screen, please, Tom. Which says, This hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because, this is how much he loves us, 
He's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. He has poured into your hearts his own love. He lives in you and that is absolutely true because the scripture tell us he's poured himself right into you. When you became born again, and uh, Malcolm, I appreciate your contribution this morning. You've preached half of what I was going to say already. (laughs) When we were born again, we were created anew, and we were created with a brand new heart. And you know what the Holy Spirit does? He fills that heart with God's love, with the agape, with the love that overcomes all sin, with the love that forgives, with the love that is interested and loving towards the down and outs, towards those who are hurting, towards those who are in despair. That's the love that lives within us. Hallelujah. I think that's really exciting. Woo! Do you know what? Sometimes what's inside needs to come out because God has done a remarkable thing, hasn't he? Remarkable. Here we are not just regular human beings. Here we are, children of God, sons of God, filled by the Spirit with the love of God, everything we need for life and godliness. Hallelujah. Amen. You can agree with me if you like. If you don't, I'm just going to carry on getting excited till you do. I've got a new heart. There's a cue for a song. It's filled with the love of Jesus. Hallelujah. This is what I was made for. He's inside us. We're in him. He's in us. In us, he is limitless. He is limitless. He is uncontainable. Jesus was limitless. He went far and beyond. He is uncontainable. He doesn't stay in one place. He was everywhere. He doesn't let anything stop him from moving in love. He's uncontainable. Love is uncontainable. And Jesus can't see suffering and be indifferent. He is compassionate. He wants to love people into restoration. His love inside us is for those around us. And we need to live inside out. It's who we are. It's what we're made for. We are made to live an inside out life. We don't have the right to walk around this earth filled with the life and power of Jesus Christ, the love of God, and keep it to ourselves. It is not good for us. It's not good for us. Because we weren't designed for that. Number three, sorry, beg your pardon. Tom, next screen. So this love... Uh, we read in the first few scriptures, I think, or did we not? No. Next screen, Tom. How does this inside-out life work in the church? Well, John 13, we're going back into the Gospel of John now because there's a very familiar commandment there. And we see that commandment echoed again and again and again in that first epistle of John. So now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. That's agape love. Just as I have loved you, that's agape loved, you should love each other, that's agape love. Your love, agape, for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So, everything that the Lord has given us is 
for us to give away to each other. That love he's given us is for us to give away to one another. And that's what we enjoy doing as a church here and as the wider church when we're all together. We love to express the love of God towards one another. In actual fact, the truth is we shouldn't be able to stop doing that because God's love is uncontainable and because God's love is limitless and because he's joined us in love, we just have to keep loving each other in all kinds of ways. 1 Corinthians 13 gives us a long list of the ways that we love each other. I'm not going to go into all of that this morning because I want to slightly focus on the love outside, but love outside is important within ourselves, very important because it's a demonstration to the world, isn't it? Uh, Next screen, please, Tom. No one has ever seen God, back in 1 John 4 now, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Wow. People can actually see God when they look at us. When people come into your home and happen to bump into somebody else from the church in there, they become aware. Somebody testified something along those lines this morning somewhere, I think. Jesus is very present. It's like the lady that came to your house. She knew where to go, didn't she? You'd had coffee mornings. She'd experienced something there that she knew she really needed and wanted. That wonderful love of Jesus was very, very evident to her. That was a wonderful testimony this morning, Linda. But, uh, yeah, in our gatherings, in our life groups, in our special mum stop, in our men versus verses, even, you know, in our work, in our everyday living, our shopping. Do you know... um, Oh, no, I'm not going to jump ahead. I'll come back to that in a minute. You know, um, God is evident. We should be distinctly different to the world because we love each other in an unusual way. You know, people might say, well, why why are you driving halfway across the county with a casserole or whatever it is? Well, because... Uh, that person, we, we're part of the same church and I feel committed to them, I'm joined with them and if something's happen, happening in their lives then that affects me so I'm, that's why I'm doing it and they're like, what? Why don't you just phone them and say get a takeaway and I'll pay for it or something? No, because I love them I want to make that effort for them I want to drive those miles I want to do that unusual act it's a demonstration but it speaks, what we do speaks Um, agape isn't just a cuddly and warm kind of love it's not surface comments or passing compliments it's purposeful it's forgiving it's forbearing it's unconditional it's transformational it's full of faith and strength do you know what we can help each other to be transformed more and more into his likeness just by being together and allowing Jesus inside us, his love come out and suddenly smack that person and they're, wow, I've just received something. It's going to change me like I sat on that sofa. Ted spoke the word of God to me until it was really in. You know, he didn't say, my dear, you're great. God is in you. He made sure I had that truth planted deep within me. 
uh, Abacapela is full of faith and strength, commitment. And for us as a body, we go beyond the natural or what's expected. We do what's not expected, which is go that extra mile. Or um, it's giving without expecting return. It's speaking and thinking the best of each other, practically caring for each other, teaching and encouraging each other in the word. It's praying together, standing alongside each other in trials and challenges, forgiving each other. This is transformational love. In the Bible, it talks about deep love, or it might call it fervent love. Uh, And that word fervent, it means welded, welded together um, so that there are no joints, no joints. That means the temperature has to be really high for metal to melt like that, obviously. So I thought, well, we need to take the temperature, don't we? Let's take the temperature. What's the, what's the love temperature here? Yes. What's the love temperature outside? Yeah. Well, let's start here, because then it's you know, easier to outside. But take temperature. Yeah, it's high. We're being welded, melted. Yeah. We're becoming <coughs> joined together with no joints. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. Now, there is more, because we are enjoying being strengthened and blessed no needs, no gossip, no unfaithfulness, seeing God's power, seeing unconditional and receiving unconditional love. It is wonderful, but, wonderful for us, but it's a great testimony to the town. You see, it talks there about a full expression. And when um, Tilly goes to a special member stop and she's witnessing to the ladies there, they're receiving the love of God. But if we then invited one of those ladies to come along to a breakfast, say, and there's a lot more people there, there's a fuller expression, then they're seeing something much bigger. And they're thinking, wow. And then when they discover all the other things that are going on and all the other activities and all the good deeds that are being done everywhere, they're seeing a full expression of the love of God. (coughs) And they're thinking, hang on a second. I need to go and see what this is all about. This is unusual. Uh, Next screen, please, Tom. Here's a great quote for you. People were attracted to the early church. Who wouldn't be fascinated by a group that shared possessions, rejoiced non-stop, had peace beyond comprehension and immeasurable power, never complained, always gave thanks? Some people joined them, of course. Others hated them, but few could ignore them. They wouldn't allow people to ignore them as they went out fearlessly sharing the gospel. I was reminded, Malcolm, of your wonderful phrase at Life Group the other week. It is scarily beautiful. I thought that was great. Some people were afraid to join them, but it was scarily beautiful. And I do believe that God wants us as a people here to demonstrate beautiful love 
within here in the body here but also that goes far and beyond some people will be scared by that but some people will want to join how are people going to see who's living inside you and me and inside us corporately well there's only one way we need to live inside out the church needs to turn itself out and we need to turn ourselves as individuals out inside out Next screen, please, Tom. So, living an inside life, missing word, <laughs> in the world, or living inside out in the world, yeah. Living inside out in the world. Okay, Who's, who would agree that this is their favourite topic? Yeah? Mm? Okay, well, let's hope to change that then, because I think this is super abundantly exciting. Living inside out in the world, because God loves the world. Jesus was sent for the world. He really loves the world. And you know what? So do I, so do you. Otherwise, when we're around and about people, we won't feel moved or challenged. It's that love of God that causes us to feel that way. But it's time for the big reveal. It's time for the display. It's time for the demonstration. It's time for the sound to be made. It's time for a touch to be planted out there of God's impacting love into Market Harbour, into Desborough, to Clipston, to Kibworth, to Kettering, to Northampton and beyond. It's time for a display, folks. It's time for a big reveal. It's time for us to be prepared to be turned inside out in a measure we haven't done before. But you know what? We can do that because we are already receiving a revelation of how great the love of God is in us and how overcoming that love is. And therefore, we have no limits and we can't be contained. So actually, we're going to have to go out because it's not natural for us to stay in. We have to live inside-out lives, be Superman, Superwoman, be the ordinary heroes. Your heart is filled with God's love for the world, isn't it? Yes, yes. yes. it is. You might be a quiet sort of person. That's absolutely fine. Your heart is still filled with the love of God. Do you know? You don't have to be loud and noisy like me, which I only am when I'm in front of big crowds of people, to be honest, but... It doesn't, uh, it's not about your personality, it's about who it is that lives inside you. The love of God inside us and in the church is to be revealed. Revealing means it's got to be seen, felt and heard. It has to be brought out into the open. It has to be given away. And, you know, it has to be uncovered, shown. It's not by hard work and all our effort that this will happen, but it's by the Spirit. It will be hard work, but it will be by the Spirit and He'll help us. But it's not our own thoughts and our own ideas and our own hard effort. It's functioning alongside the Holy Spirit. We're going to come on to that a bit more. So the truth is about uh, being turned inside out is that we were designed specifically for this purpose. That I'm, I'm kind of saying to you, this is what we're here for. Yeah. We were made to do this. Yeah. So if you've ever wondered what you should be doing with your life, it's this. And that will happen through different vehicles, yes. different means, but this is what we're here for. Let's have a look at the next screen, Tom. Oh, sorry, can you go backwards again? I've missed it. Here we are. 
at the bottom here. We were designed to live inside out. We are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, Malcolm. He's created us new in Jesus Christ. And let me just say, your confession of faith, you have a good heart. That's the word of the Lord. You have a good heart in every way. Back to the scripture. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You see, there's a plan for all of us and there's a plan for each of us. That plan was thought and conceived in the mind of God a very long time ago. And he's been waiting for your moment, this moment, our moment, where that plan can be displayed to everyone in the world. You see, we were made to do the good things he planned for us. So he's planned things for us to do. He has planned things for us to do. He's designed us to do specific things. He's put the love of God in us because he wants us to do something. To do something. Get it? Do we get it? I'm just getting it myself, you know? He designed me to do things. And what are those things? The things that Jesus did. And probably some we haven't read because the book couldn't contain all the things that he did. There's lots of things for us to do. And they are Jesus things. They're things filled with the love of God. And they will only happen as the love inside us, the love of God, is allowed to, excuse me, to flow out. We've got to pull the plug out and let the love of God flow out. Haven't we? I have, I know that. There's a big plan and we're not even scratching the surface, let me tell you. His heart of love in us will tell us, direct us, to do these good things. He'll prompt us with ideas and thoughts. We've got these new hearts. They're very tender, sensitive hearts, and they're moved with compassion so that we find ourselves unable to ignore suffering, sadness, destruction, injustice in the lives of those around us. And we will want to do something about it because Jesus wants to do something about it, and he has a plan. So I'm going to quickly give us some how-tos, sort of. Let's have a drink. I think uh, it's so brilliant, isn't it, that God, he's just filled us with himself. He's got a plan for us. We haven't had to do anything. He's got a plan for us. He's poured his spirit into us. He's set us up. Now he says, off you go. Okay, here we go then. Number one, remember who you are and where he is. Never think you're a nobody. Don't fill your minds with recollections of past mistakes or regrets or, well, you don't know what I was like before I became a Christian. Frankly, I'm really not interested because you are a Christian and whoever that was is dead anyway. So how is that relevant? Um, We have to remember who we are. It's been said this morning, we are sons of God. We are living supernatural beings. We're not just human beings. We are ordinary heroes, I like to say, you know, extraordinary heroes, really. But we, we need to remember who we are. We need not to carry with us feelings of unworthiness. 
You can sort something out like that with the Lord. His love in you, let me tell you this, his love in you is far and beyond that feeling of unworthiness. He's just going to take it and snuff it out because it doesn't belong to you. You're a child of God. There's no condemnation for you now. You're in Christ Jesus. Those negative things, they can come and disable us from doing anything or going anywhere or saying anything or praying anything. But that is not what we are supposed to be like. Remember who we are. Remember who it is that lives in you. Remember he's not departed. He's in you. You can talk to him night and day, dreaming. Or you just need to know who you are. And if you're not sure, you go and spend some, some time with somebody who will keep telling you who you are. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we need to be hearing all the time who we are. Your heart is a good heart. Yeah? When you hear people testifying truth, you need to amen it and receive that for yourself. Truth sets us free. Scriptures set us free. Yes, they do. Scriptures will set you free. Read the scriptures. If you want to know what scriptures to read, you've got some dynamic elders and life group leaders and whatever. They can give you scriptures that will set you free if you don't know where to find them in the word of God. The Holy Spirit can also show you those scriptures. I remember spending some time with a lady who for many, many, many years had been in a very negative place. I can't do this, I can't do that, but, but this, this is my story. This is where I'm at now. I've just, how could anybody want to involve me in anything? How, could, how can I possibly be useful? I don't, I'm just, I've got no love in me. I'm, and all of this, and I'm just, man alive. No, 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 no. But do you know what happened? We started to pray together and we started to pray, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And before we'd finished praying that scripture, she was going, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. And I was like, that's great. She's just going, no, no, I'm free, I'm free. You know. And actually I had texts for days afterwards just saying, I'm free, exclamation mark. The word, the truth will set you free. It's been dealt with. The love inside us is far greater. In any case, we're here not for us, we're here for him. It's more of him, less of us. You know, it says in 1 John 3.20 that God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. He is not disinterested. He wants to help you with your feelings. He wants to lead you out of discouragement and into encouragement. He is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. Let's not make space for guilt. Let's not make space for discouragement. Let's not make space for inferiority, those types of things. Don't make space for those. Let the love of God and understanding that he is in us totally fill us in our minds, in our hearts, in our thinking. Let's stay focused. And that's where each other comes in, isn't it? Because we have to help each other. 
Remember, I am in him, he's in me. Let's not give room to anything else. Let's be more conscious of the one inside, the love inside. Next screen, please, Tom. Okay, receive this then. We can train ourselves so that at the first dawn of consciousness in the morning, Stephen, <laughs> all right, we will say, I have God inside of me today. It's going to be easy to do my work because the greater one is going to move through me today. He's going to act through me. He's going to love through you, through me. He's going to speak through me. I will not be left alone to meet any crisis. He will be there to make me a success. Just as the vine drives its life into the branches, so as we open our spirits to him, he pours himself into us. Amen? You like that? Okay. Finally, our intention is to listen to the spirit's instructions, prompts, and thoughts. Our thoughts are not of ourselves. We don't spend a lot of time thinking about our weaknesses, sicknesses. You know, they can all be real. We bring them to the Lord, but we're sons of God. And our lives are very safe in his hands. We have no need to fear or worry. He's far greater than any challenge that we could ever face. And I know we all face challenges. I face challenges. We all face challenges. But he is greater. Greater is he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I've had that scripture stuck on my... uh, cupboard at college almost as soon as I was born again. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's really true. God is inside all of us. We all have the same love of God in us. We're all equipped with everything that we need. He's in us all. He's in Phil as he's in Dave, as he's in Sharon, as he's in your little Bobby. Let's not forget the children, please, because do you know what? There is absolutely no reason they have the same love of God in them, same God working through them. Why shouldn't they be doing exactly the very same things that we're doing and want to do for the Lord? It's the same love in Dan, in Pete, in Esther. It's the same love of God in us. We're all going to express it in different ways. There's going to be a full expression of God's character and nature through us all. He is here to stay. He's settled in you and we are settled in him. There's nothing he can't do. We just submit to his promptings. We don't focus on our lacks. We don't really have any lacks because we have everything in our inheritance through Jesus. Uh, Another point is natural thinking is the enemy of supernatural love. Let the God inside speak through you. Don't be overcome by natural thinking, but let God do all the talking. So sometimes you're not quite sure what to say and you feel like you should be saying something. Well, don't, don't just say anything. Just let the Holy Spirit work through you. Just let him prompt you. You will know. We... I remember the very first time we opened the doors to Mum's stop, many, many years ago, we'd been praying, and um, this lady came through the door, we'd been just praying for the whole thing, and I just said, um, hi, how are you? It's great to see you. And she just broke down in tears. 
and then unfolded her story. But the thing is, all I said was, hi, how are you? It's really great to see you. That God knew what was going in her life, going on in her life. And he just spoke through me. I didn't really think about it. His life just comes out, doesn't it? His love just comes out. You don't have to think, oh, oh, here's the first person. What am I going to say? Um, what's the best thing to say? What's going to upset? What's not going to upset? What's okay? What's not okay? It's none of that. It's just like love of God comes out. Simple, simples. Um, let the love of God do all the talking. Be very encouraging and full of faith, full of hope, full of hope for a future, hope of freedom, because that's what Jesus is like. You may know the story of how William met a lady in the co-op and she couldn't read the label on the bottle of whatever it was. And uh, I think Benj maybe shared it with you. Yeah, yeah. So you know that story. So he just engaged in conversation with this lady, older lady, who's having some difficulties, but inside he's thinking, oh, well, I'll just bless, I'll just bless. And so he just blessed her and helped her. And then he thought, hmm, she's an interesting lady, got into conversation with her. She had lots of difficulties and problems that she was aware of and was happy to talk about. And then he helped her carry her shopping out to the car. And then when they got to the car, she said, I think Jesus could really help you. And they had another conversation. And shortly she gave her life to Christ out there in the car park. That's not complicated, is it? You know what? That's easy, isn't it? We don't need a big strategy there. We just meet somebody in the co-op and they say, this Chinese lady stopped me in um, Morrison's and she said, do you know where I can get um, soy sauce? And I thought, I don't, I'm not in, really, this is not a shop I come to often in Leicester, but... but uh, I just thought, this lady is a foreign <coughs> lady. It's new to her, that place. She was struggling. And rather than saying, oh, no, I'm sorry, I don't, I walked all around the shop with her trying to find it and trying to help her. That's easy. You know, you can, you can move on. I remember a, a while back, a, a man coming to Mum's Stop, single dad with a baby, very unusual, single parent, and I got into conversation with him because um, Jesus loved to talk to people, doesn't he? loves to talk to people, wants to know them. And he, I said, how did you come here this morning? He said, well, I walked through the graveyard. Um, when I got my paper, I do that every morning because it's so peaceful. Uh, and then I come here today for the first time just to see what it's like, you know, with my baby. And I said, you walk through the graveyard, you know, where all the dead people are. And uh, he said, yeah, I just find it's very peaceful. And the scripture came into my mind. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? And I thought, this man is searching. So I said, I don't, you know, don't know whether this means anything to you, but you just reminded me about this verse in the Bible where it says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? I said, you don't need to go to a graveyard to find peace. You know, you can have peace in, in God. I start to talk to him, and I had Anna there that day, actually, and I thought it's going to be better for Anna to man to man, you know, so anyway, Steve gave his life to Christ that morning in Mumstock, and you probably have seen him in, in some of our gatherings. You see, Jesus asks, what's the problem? And then he has the answer. And for us, it's knowing how to apply the answer. So we, we get a conversation, what's the problem? Or you're telling me what the problem is. I think, well, what, what's the answer? The answer is Jesus. Jesus' love, how am I going to administer that? And then you just wait, and then the Holy Spirit 
drops something into your mind and you do what drops into your mind. I used to, you'll be very surprised at this, I used to work in a tiny little shop where we used to have people in for massage and sports sort of stuff. <laughs> I won't go into it, but anyway, this, <laughs> this, I used to have regular customers. It was somebody else's business and I was working for a short time there to support them. And this lady came in and I was supposed to do this treatment on her uh, and she literally staggered into the treatment room and I, like, I don't know if she can actually get on the bed, you know, but she got up and she was in terrible pain and uh, I said, are you okay? You know, do you want me to do this? She said, yes, yes, that's fine. I said, well, you know, what's the problem? She said, oh, it's my back. My back's just terrible. It's been awful. She went on and on. And uh, so while we were doing the treatment, I said, look, you know, I don't know what you think about this, but I do believe that Jesus wants to heal. And you might think I'm barking mad, but you're in a lot of pain. You know, would you like me to pray for you? And she said, yes, yes, I would, actually. I would really like you to pray for me. So I, I prayed for her and um, thinking, gosh, you know, but I prayed for her and she uh, clambered down off the table. She didn't appear to be instantly healed. I said, look, I do believe that the healing that we've prayed for you is there. And it, during the day, you're going to experience that healing working its way through your body. And sure enough, she texts me at the end of the day to say she was totally free of, of all her pain. Wow. So it was a seed. We were talking about seeds earlier. Um, okay, I'm going to, very long, so I'm going to tell you one final story, which um, is really about place I visited where I saw the love of God infiltrate a whole community, a whole town, Illinois, in, um, near Chicago in America. I went over there with David many years ago, never forgotten it because it made such an impact on my life. The love of God flowing through these people was absolutely incredible, and particularly the gentleman that was um, senior. He was a dentist, actually. He was in full-time work, and he had established out of his heart of wanting to meet the lost and the destitute and the suffering a ministry to women who he had met on the streets who were prostitutes he had established a discipleship house the same for men drug addicts alcoholics a house where men could come and be um, helped with their addictions helped to come off them and given life skills there was a big shop where people who'd been in those houses who had been restored were then given jobs where the sh in the shop they were to sell second-hand items of uh, furniture and clothing. This is in quite a ghetto area, so there was a great need. And um, there was an after-school um, homework and art club where all the kids went after school so they could get help with the homework and do some nice craft and stuff. It was fantastic. And then I went to the boxing club and there was a boxing ring and, and all these young lads were there um, being trained and taught how to fight boxing, proper boxing. And um, he gave me a sweatshirt, actually, and on the back of it he said, it's better to... Uh, better to... No, it's... Oh, I can't remember, don't bleed on the streets, but come and sweat in the gym. Yeah. Don't stick needles into yourself when you can come here and do something that's actually healthy. Boxing club. 
they took us to a school where they did all their Sunday meetings and they used to put on big shows. But I met a man on arriving who was running the whole thing. And then the chap explained, this gentleman used to live under a bridge in Detroit. For many, many years, he had candles lined up on the girders on the underside of the bridge. And he used to read books in the candlelight and um, beg during the day. And uh, John Sullivan went along and asked him if he'd like to come home with him, brought him back home and started to see him restored. And then uh, this man became the director of the whole work. When we met him, he was the director of the whole work. But then we heard his story, which was so moving. And then there was a photograph on his desk of a lady. And we went to lunch with this chap, John and this director. We met up with John's wife and this other lady. They'd been doing something else. Had lunch. And they were about to get married, this lady and this director. Uh, and then he was saying, I really want to come to England and you know, explore and all that sort of thing. I discovered later that that lady was a lady who'd been through the Tabitha house and she'd been restored from prostitution wow. and the life on the streets, been born again, they'd both been born again, washed clean, restored, and now they were getting married, starting a new life to, together. I have to confess, I did weep <laughs> at that point because that was scarily beautiful. I believe God wants us to make an impact like that on this town and these villages. Last screen, please, Tom. Next one, please. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Here's the other version of that scripture. Take your everyday, ordinary life and live generously, radically, expansively, creatively, courageously, compassionately, redemptively. Live it gloriously. Live in his story. Live out your story. Live knowing that God is with you, he's for you, and he's in you. Amen? Amen. That's where I'm going to leave it with you. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.